Genesis, as you know, I love the theater, so I tend to see it in this realm. The curtain goes down on the book of Genesis, and Joseph is standing in his regal royal robes. Joseph, one of the Israelites, is at the right hand of Pharaoh. Joseph has just saved the whole land of Egypt. Joseph has just saved his family. Joseph has preserved the tribes of Israel from which would come the Messiah, Jesus, our Lord. Joseph has spared everyone. In one moment, Joseph has turned everything around. Joseph is standing in authority. Joseph is standing in his regal robes. The curtain goes down on the book of Genesis and the glory is seen. Don't you love those moments in your life when the glory is seen, when everything looks beautiful and everything looks awesome and everything looks mighty and everyone can see that God is with you. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise if you love those moments. Come on. Oh, I guess you don't love those moments. But then the curtain comes up on the book of Exodus. And the glory of God is still seen. But who knew that the glory would show up in a weak woman standing on the shore of the very banks of a river with a purpose in her hand. You see, there are seasons in our life when things are so high and they're so awesome. And anyone peering in can see that God is with us. It seems that we're on the high mountain. I've had many of those seasons. And the curtain goes down on a chapter, a life, a year. And we just think, could God get any better for us? We just think, could God have done any more miracles? It seems that everything is flowing. The, the, everything is just going beautiful and awesome and wonderful. And I was thinking this week about how many of my friends have had seasons like that. My good friend Cheryl or my ministry acquaintance, Cheryl Pruitt-Salem, Miss America, 1981, who was healed divinely in a Kenneth Hagen. She almost died in a car wreck. She, her, she was carried by her daddy as her leg dangled with no bones in it. She was carried. None of them were, were expected to live, but her sweet daddy walked up and down the hallway declaring the word of God over Cheryl and over his other children. They got hit on a one dirt road driveway to their house, and he kept declaring the word. You know what? Her leg and her brothers and sisters got healed, but Cheryl still had one leg that was shorter. And one day in a Kenneth Hagen conference, Kenneth Hagen called her out, and she went down for prayer not knowing her and there in the altar in front of her family and documented by doctors was the Lord touching her leg and her leg straightened and it grew all the way out to the ground somebody give God the praise for that but that wasn't it then Cheryl decided with her music ministry she would try out she was Miss Choctaw Miss Natchez Miss everything she tried to be Miss America because she knew she had influence for a reason you see, you are a secret agent of change. I'll get back to Egypt and I'll get back to Jehoshaphat. You are a secret agent of change. God has given you influence. You know what? You can have money and not have influence. But you can have influence and have no money. When God gives you influence, he gives you influence to move a situation for his highest purpose. You are a secret agent of change. And Cheryl got to knowing that she was called and healed for a higher purpose. God 
just didn't save you so you could bag dirt in your backpack and just go through life like a junkie the rest of your existence. God saved you from sin, not just so you wouldn't live in hell, but God saved you that you would serve his higher purpose, that you would take the influence of the blood of Jesus Christ, come on somebody, into the four corners of the world. Influence! And so Cheryl tried out, but you know what, Mish? She didn't win. I love her testimony. Cheryl's ministered here, and friend, we've talked on the phone. Joni connected us, and she's the only person that can talk more than I can talk, as fast as she can talk, and more hick than I can talk. But anyway, she tried out four times. She didn't win Miss Whatever, and Miss. but in her heart was, I'm born for influence. Did she want to walk across a stage in a bathing suit thinking that that was something? No, but she knew God had given her a miracle, and that miracle was influence. If we think the only reason we've been given influence is to walk into this church on Sunday, we are vastly wrong. The influence has given us to go out into the world, into political realms, into social realms, into economic realms, and to take the influence that's been given to us and cause people to say, God is glorified. Only God could have done that. Come on, somebody, this morning. So Miss Cheryl Pruitt at that time, she didn't get Miss Chalked Out. She didn't get Miss That. I think eventually she got Miss Chalked Out. Then she went to the state. She didn't win that, but she didn't give up. She kept going to her piano and playing and playing and playing and singing. And then there was the year she was crowned Miss Mississippi. And then she went to Miss America. And the whole week of Miss America pageant, they called her the Miracle Girl. The press called her the Miracle Girl. The Miracle Girl from Mississippi. Oh, in that moment, they didn't give God glory. They just had heard that she was sentenced to death. And she walked out. And somehow her leg became the right length. And there she was glorifying God in her song. And then right at that last moment it was down to her and the other girl and the runner up was called and Miss Mississippi put the crown on her head and as she's walking down the runway Cheryl the Holy Ghost said to Cheryl why did I put you Cheryl and in her mind as she's waving and doing the pageant wave she said to give you glory he said so come on and do it so up went her hands in a Holy Ghost Pentecostal I can't believe God did this in front of the world and Miss America let it be known that she glorified God but it didn't stop there immediately she walked into the press room and as she's walking she knows she had kept her verbiage good and kept her little southern she is so southern Choctaw Mississippi accent out of it but when she got into that press room she knew the moment was coming and the first reporter said Miss America Cheryl we have heard about your miracle and she said yes she said she'd kept it closed for a while but she said you are right the Lord Jesus Christ by his blood and by his healing one day in a Kenneth Hagin meeting I went down and my leg was miraculously and supernaturally healed by the glory of God. Somebody give God praise. And the curtain could have closed there, but it didn't. She went through a horrible marriage and a divorce. And then she was single. And then she married Harry Salem, which is um, the Roberts, um, Lindsay Roberts' brother-in-law. She married Harry Salem. They had three beautiful children. And then her third child, Gabriella had cancer. They did everything. I won't go through that. I've preached about that. It makes people sad. They stood, but in the end, God took Gabriella home. You see, in that moment, it's hard to believe that God's glory could show up. But guess what? The same faith and the same glory, the same peace and the same joy that had been given to this woman for influence, she walked out of the lowest pit of her life when she was so depressed, they put her on chemicals for a while because she couldn't think straight. She didn't look like a woman of influence in that 
that time. She didn't look like a woman who had potential at that time. She didn't look like anybody that could take what God had given her and think that God's glory is going to show up. But guess what? She went on to write a book from morning to morning. And she went on to heal through the Holy Spirit people who walked through grief. She went on to declare and sing. Why? Because when you are given influence, it doesn't matter if you're robed in the royal regal robes of Joseph or you're bussing tables down at Kmart. Come on. It doesn't matter. Kmart don't have food, but somewhere they do. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. When God gives you influence, you got to shake the dust off of you, shake the feelings off of you, shake the temptation off of you, and say, I may look lonely standing on a shore in the middle of an Egyptian pharaoh who's beating me down. They may be attacking me from my left and attacking me by my right, but guess what? I have influence. When your life serves a higher purpose, you're trusted with influence. Pharaoh knew not Joseph, so when the curtain comes up, he doesn't know how the people of God were treated. Sometimes a boss moves into your division who does not know how you were treated before he got there. Sometimes somebody moves into the schoolroom or the boardroom that doesn't know how God had blessed you in the season before. But you've got to be like Israel and you've got to be like Jehoshaphat and say, I don't care because Israel didn't know that Pharaoh looked out over the land. He didn't know everything Joseph did. Sometimes the world will forget what God has done for this country and what God has done for this world. America right now is not remembering that in God we trust is what has kept us alive and breathing in this world. In God in whom we trust and our friendship with Israel. If we cut Israel off, we are doomed and despaired and there is no future. If we don't stand with Israel and we don't vote for a man who stands with Israel and who will say Israel is my ally and I will fight, we are doomed. I don't care how much you love this country. Fly your eagle proud. Fly your flag proud. But in God we trust and there's a remnant in this country who's trying to rise up in the middle of the taskmasters and say I don't care that this Pharaoh has forgotten that we put our blood in freedom of religion. We put our blood in our constitution, our declaration of independence that God was who we trust. We put it on our money. We put it in our words. We put prayer in schools. But until some Israelites, some Americans rise up with a remnant and say this is a country founded by God and seek his face, we will not survive. Come on, somebody. Didn't mean to say any of that. You see, God trusted Joseph's heart. God gave Joseph influence because he knew Joseph wouldn't use it for revenge. There's a show called Revenge. I've never watched it, but all my spiritual children in another state love it, so you've got to watch it. I don't know about that. The word just turns me off. But listen to me. God gives you influence. He gave Joseph influence knowing he would not use it for revenge. He used it for a purpose. And for a moment, things remained the same. But then Pharaoh looked out and he saw. He saw how Israel was growing. He saw how they multiplied. He saw how they were exceedingly strong. Let me tell you something. I heard Bishop, Bishop Jake say, when I was very young in ministry, I never forgot it. And I've said it a million different ways, but let me say it the way I first heard him say it. You can't get drunk off of people, off of people's praises. Because the same person that cries out Hosanna 
today will cry out crucify him tomorrow you can't get your cup full of people's accolades and what they're saying about you and think this is it because I'm telling you it happened to Jesus it happened to Israel and it will happen to me and it will happen to you Pharaoh changed his mind say Pharaohs changed their mind the strategy was to control them to attack them listen to me that's your enemy's strategy to belittle you to intimidate you to attack you the taskmasters assigned to them made their life tough you see, at times like that, we don't understand. The test and the attack is a compliment, not an injury. The test is a compliment. The test to Israel was a compliment because they were growing no matter how much he put on them. You see, the devil attacks us because we are powerful. The church of Jesus Christ and the world is powerful. The devil says to us, we don't have power. You see, Pharaoh even said, tell Israel, make bricks but get their own straw and stay with the same quota. There are things in our life that say, keep producing, but do it with less. Keep producing, but do it with, 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 with not extra or not enough, I should say. Keep doing what you're doing, but doing it less. How does that bound out? No straw. Someone say no straw. It means I've got no, I don't have enough strength, but I'm having to get through this season of my life. I feel like I don't have enough peace, but I got to get through this season of my life. I don't have all the answers, but I got to get through this season of life. Guess what? The Israelites had to gather their own straw and make the same amount of bricks. But guess what? When God gives you influence and God is with you, you will find when you don't have enough strength, if you trust and rely on the Lord and you don't go to the horses of the world or the things of the world or the things of your past, God will strengthen you. God will give you peace. God will give you joy. And you'll come out on the other side making more with less than you did before. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Someone say, do it anyway. Israel did it anyway, Everett. They performed it anyway. Let me tell you something. When God gives you influence, listen to this. Esther was just a girl in the courtyard. Listen, she hadn't been trained to be queen. She wasn't even asking to be queen. Sometimes we think we got to ask, we got to move ourselves into a place. God knows how to move you into a place. The biggest door that ever opened in my life that, that, that catapulted into many, many other doors through the years was Kathy Payne coming here to get a tape of my speaker, but my speaker didn't show up, Marion Brown. Many, many, 1985. Kathy said, well, I'll, I'll buy the set from the receptionist anyway and see what all has to say. She had never met me or heard of me. She put my cassette in. It was one of the hardest time Pastor just broken his back. We were getting him healed. She put my cassette in her cassette player. It was back in those days when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Come on, somebody. She listened to me. From that, I went to Ireland, Australia, Hawaii, so many countries of the world have ministered to thousands of women in the nation, which opened up thousands of other doors. You know what? I wasn't even invited to the party. Esther wasn't even invited to the party. Esther didn't even know when Vashti said, I'm not coming in to see you, king. Esther wasn't even part of that decision. She was a no-name girl. And when she was brought up with all the other women of the kingdom, don't think she was chosen because she was more beautiful. She was chosen because God gave her influence. She was chosen because she was well-favored. Let me tell you something. In your job, in your business, in your school, the Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whichever way he wants. God can give you favor. God will cause people to choose you, to use you because God gives you influence. How are you using influence in your life? Look at your neighbor and ask him that question. How are you using influence in your life? 
And Esther, she could have said, we're going to get back to the story. Esther could have said, you know what? I'm too cute for all that. I'm queen now. Don't you ever think when you get into a position, you're too cute. Don't you ever think you're too cool, mister. Don't you think you're ever too wealthy. It's the Lord God who giveth you the power to give wealth. Don't ever think, miss, that you're too this or too that. Esther could have said, you know what? I'm cute. I'm cute. I'm queen now. Because there was only one that Mordecai said that can break this. There's one person that God's worked a long time. I'm speaking to every one of you. God's worked a long time to get some of you into a place of influence and position. Listen to me. And he's working right now to get you into further places of influence. He had worked a mighty long way, as the saints would say, to get Esther there. He had worked hard to get her there. He had given her influence. She could have said, I'm too cute. And for a moment, she hesitated. Because there's moments when we hesitate when God knocks on our door and said, I gave you this influence. I gave you this. I remember the first SRA mutual uh, personality disorder person I ever worked with. I remember not wanting to work with them. I remember wanting to run and scream from anyone that's got several personalities and demons. I remember looking at them through my blinds thinking I'm not going to meet with them. I didn't want to close my eyes while I prayed with them. But I remember, the whole, I remember sitting in my office and the Holy Ghost said, why do you think I gave you the anointing? Why do you think I gave you the word do you think I gave it to you so you can sit at this desk and write dramas and just counsel good looking people and people with nice rich things I gave you influence and I gave you anointing that you might sit in the dark and the low places of the earth with people that other people would pass by I gave you the love I healed you I forgave you I gave you mercy because I wanted you to know to whom much mercy is given much mercy should be given much love is given much love should be given I gave you this so you would get in the gutter hair extensions or no hair extensions pretty clothes or no pretty clothes I gave you the anointing what's on the inside in the word I broke the chains off of your past I kept you alive when the world said you were dead if it had not been for me and I'd be being on your side you'd have never made it oh come on you don't know what I'm praising him about I brought you here and you think I gave you that influence to sit here and look pretty you think I gave you this influence to look all holier than thou? Oh, I can get, if you've ever been counseling with me or been with me, I can get rough. I can make people think I'm mad at them, and I don't care. I ain't here to be nobody's friend. I'm here to be a pastor. I'm here to be a prophetess. I'm here to speak the word. I ain't your buddy, your best friend, your shopping, hooly wooly mooly. Oh, I'm going to walk across the kingdom with you, but I'm going to use my influence to break the demons off of your head and get you out of the gutter into the light. You take somebody else to the mall. There's nobody in here who wants to go to the mall with me. I don't know how I ever got here. Ain't nobody in here wants to go to the mall with me, so don't be worried about that. What I'm trying to make it, where do you live? Esther had to use her influence for God reason. Esther had to use it. I remember the day Billy Burke told me, and I wept openly and hadn't thought about this. Called me up in front of the whole church and embarrassed me terribly. He's not going to embarrass you, you know. He gave me Isaiah 54, but then he said, you know what? You love to nurture people, but ooh, 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 ooh. he just ran and goes, God is breaking the strings. He said, because you have a prophetess anointing and you have got to stand apart because a friendship anointing will deliver no one. A friendship anointing will not get any lesbian out of her past. 
A friendship anointing will not get a drug addict out of their sin. A friendship anointing will not cause someone with sorrow to get off their feet. He said, and it's going to hurt you. I remember crying, being embarrassed. Chris was looking at me crying. Kelly was crying. Everybody's crying. I'm just sobbing because it's breaking me. It's saying to me. He said, lift up your sword from behind your back and start cutting the cobwebs of darkness off of people. You weren't called to be a mall hangy clangy. Come, let's lay loo la la la. You were called to do the work of God. And let me tell you today, brothers and sisters, God has anointed you and called you into influence. You are called to something greater. You may not be able, come on, to go play hockey every Saturday, but use the anointing, the power of Jesus in you. Know that he has entrusted you with the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, and that power's in you to resurrect people out of dead places into life. Someone give him praise this morning. We got to get back to it. I don't know how I got all of those places. So what did Esther do? She said, run me a bath. I'm not too cute. Lay out my best dress. And then she said, and I'm not going to eat for three days. I, I perceive that my influence is greater than what I thought. Spirit of the Lord is speaking to some people. Your influence is greater than what you thought. And it will cause you at times to have to deny yourself. Because she said, who knows? But I've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Jehoshaphat is on the shore of the river. She looks alone. The voice of Pharaoh says her child has to die. But something inside of her said, your purpose. When she looked at Moses and he cried, she saw he was well favored. She saw there was a favor on her purpose. Today, you've got to see a favor on your purpose right now. Come on. The lies of Pharaoh are speaking in your ears right now. They're speaking in mine too. They're saying your purpose doesn't matter. They're saying your purpose will not excel. Purpose excels in the worst of circumstances. When you look at Cheryl Salem's life, you look at Israel's life, chart it. Just go home and write Israel's history. Do it until you can't stop. Come on, buddy. I mean, be a historian. When you do it, you'll see there was days they were on the mountain and days they were in the valley. There were days that they were applauded by everyone around them and there were days they were talked about like dogs. There were days they were high up and there was days they were taken to exile. But guess what? As long as they kept their trust in God in every season, even when they lived in Babylon, in Matthew, you know one of my favorite passages, when you get your cup of coffee, like Pastor says, first of January, you're going to read the Bible and you start with the begets. Come on, somebody. And you fall asleep. Come on, somebody. You just say, well, I'll skip this. It can't be important, but don't skip it. Because right in the middle it says, and these three children were born during the time, it's Jesus' genealogy. These three children were born during the time of exile. When I saw that one day and I got the revelation, I had to get up and run around my house because I realized even when Israel was on a detour, even when Israel sinned, God factored in time for them to be restored and he factored in time for their disobedience to put underneath his feet and he factored in time for him to still keep the seed of the Messiah. You may have been on a detour in your life. You may have disobeyed. You may have made some wrong choices, but purpose excels in the worst of circumstances. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise in the morning, this morning. And Paul said, we praise him in tribulation. We praise him because from glory to glory. They showed up anyhow. They showed up anyway because they believed they had influence. No straw breaks are harder. But if Pharaoh hadn't done this, you see, the voices were saying, if God was for you, Israel. Israel, isn't it wonderful how the enemy knows the history of everything before you, but he don't want to talk to you about your future. Come on. 
He always talks to you about the past and how God was either with you or how you ruined it. That's his two. He wants to talk about how God was with you to convince you that he's not with you today. If you had a high place in your past, then he'll try to make you believe God's not with you today because of your circumstances or the hard place that you're in, trying to make bricks with no straw. Or he'll talk about your past and how you failed. And you see, the voices could say to Israel, if you're so blessed, where is your God right now? Where's the finances? Where's the help? You're being beaten by the taskmasters, but you're the people of God? Oh, come on, Israelites. If you're the people of God, why are you going through this? If Daniel, if you're a son of God, why are you going through this? Everett, if you're a son of God, why are you passing through this? Why, Seth, are you facing this? If you're a child of God, listen to me. You see, they could continually have spoken that and the voices could have continually said that to them. But if Pharaoh had not done this, they would have lost their consciousness and they would have lost their consciousness of who they were. They would have married the Egyptians. They would have lost... Let me propose to you this morning against what you like or I don't like that trials cause us to go in one way and come out the other. Sometimes at home I get out some eggs, Misha. I get out some flour. I get out some extract. Come on, somebody. I get out some milk, Julia. I get out milk. I get out a little bit of this and that and I stir it up and I pour it into a pan and the people in the house could come in and say, what you doing? Because when they look at it, it's not changed at all. It's going to be a delicious lick your fingers butter cake. Come on, pound cake like mama used to make. It's going to be delicious and wonderful but it's in the same form. But what changes all those ingredients from how things are or when I put it in the oven, in the fire and in the fire those things are changed into something delectable delicious and awesome let me tell you you and I are in the fire today every one of us and we won't be changed unless God allows us to go through the fire and God says I let Egypt reject you I let that person reject you I let that person come against you because I don't want you to ever think they're your source I am the Lord God who is jealous for you I am your source I I started your life. I started your ministry and I will end it. Let me tell you, when Pharaoh says make bricks without straw, you just keep going because the promise of God, Egypt was an incubator to finish their development. The fire you're in right now is finishing your development. You see, what I'm going through right now is going to make me more merciful, more understanding everything I ever went through. When people always say, tell us how you got this or that, whatever they think they perceive out there. You know, they want me to say a college and I'll say, no, it was the trial. Put the trial on my resume. Put the fire on my resume. Put the season of this and the season of that. How can you be merciful? How can you be this? How can you be that? Because of every hot place I went through, I was changed and I'm being changed today regardless of what the devil says into the greater version of the daughter of the most high God who has influence. Somebody lift up a shout unto the Lord. Come on, somebody bless him. In the fire you get bitter or you can be changed. You see, this is the thing about making bricks without straw. Pharaoh knew they had influence. He didn't mess with them when they didn't have influence. The funny thing about it is they didn't count. They didn't count Jehoshaphat in the mix. Help me, Holy Spirit. They didn't count her in the mix. It's kind of like when they were out in the desert and uh, Jesus came to Philip and they said, the people are hungry. 
And he said to Philip, what shall we do? And I love it, the verse underneath it says, Jesus said this to test them because he already knew in his heart what he was going to do. Nacha is that word for test. To test them. You see, God already knew what he was going to do. And sometimes God will say to you, what are we going to do, Peggy Pippinger, with this problem? What are we going to do, Keith, with this situation? What are we going to do? What is going to be our mindset and our perception? God already knows how he's going to get it through. But he wants to see. He was testing Philip and the disciples. He was testing their heart to see if everything he had taught them had finally caught up with them. And finally they would speak what he had taught them. Finally they would say, well God, we don't know what you're going to do, but we know it's going to be powerful. We don't know how you're going to heal this. We don't know how it's going to mend. But what do we do? I don't know what you're going to do. It's like hell is taking over. I give up. I'm going to drive off a cliff. I'm going to knock myself in the head with a hammer. Did I get all your thoughts right? Um, I'm going to strangle myself off a cliff into the rocks and the, for the Vernons. I can't remember how we said it. But here we go. I'm going to do this and I'm, I'm going to do that. And we get drastic and we get this is the end of it. I can't do it anymore. I give up. Every time someone takes me, I can't do this anymore. I want to say, you know what? If I, if I say what I want to say, but the Holy Ghost won't let me. Because when I say that the Holy Ghost, he said... You can do this, and you need to shut your mouth. You are going to walk through this. You are going to be victorious. You are going to get to the other side. You are infused with my strength. Don't tell me one more time that you can't do this. You just reach up and get my strength and know that you can. Let me tell you something. God's strength is in you. And when he says, what are we going to do about this? you got to say, you know what, Lord? I don't know, but I know you've got something planned. So I'm excited to see what you're going to do. Somebody give him praise praise this morning. We'll kind of wind down into our illustration. So powerful. But you know, they didn't, when they counted Pastor AC, when they counted all those people, Pastor Chris, Pastor Todd, they, every other pastor's in here, they counted 5,000. Listen, they didn't count, they didn't even count the boy that had the miracle. We a lot of times don't get counted in the mix in human standard. We don't get counted in the miracle. He wasn't even counted. It doesn't matter if man does not count you. They did not count the little boy, but he had the makings of a miracle. Stop looking for man to count you in the miracle. Listen to what God says you are and where you are and why you're there and why the influence there. That little boy had influence when he went into that gathering. No one noticed him. No one saw him. No one counted him. But when it came to the moment, God knew he had it and God was going to use it. Stop looking for other people to validate you, count you, crown you, say this, say that, because the bottom line is if God counts you in the miracle, it's more than enough. Someone say amen. Amen. Matt, come and help me if you will and, and play as, uh, silently, as quietly as you can not silently that would be hard sorry it's not a silent movie look at your neighbor and say it's not a silent movie the thing about it is the children of Israel they had said they would go in 400 years into Egypt Moses had already predicted it he knew the day they would go in and he knew the way they would come out I always love that because God knows the day you go into a trial he knows the day you're coming out come on somebody this is not an open ended thing Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Living Bible says, I give you an expected end. Everyone's saying expected end. So I'm like, I'm going to have to deal with this the rest of my life. <laughs> no. Everyone say no. no. Everyone say no. no. No deal, devil. God gives an expected end to everything. Every trial 
every situation, God gives an expected end. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. Seventy they went in, one man they came out strong. The more inflicted, the more they grew. The more they were incubated, the more they multiplied, which is greater than addition. I love multiplication. I love it in the desert when Jesus asked Philip and he said, what should we do? And the disciples said, the day is well spent. Everyone say well spent. What they mean it's late. It's too late for a miracle. It's too way past time. And they said, the day is well spent. We are tired. Too much is going on. But Jesus said, you know what? This is what you're thinking. You got your greatest thought together. And they said, this is a desert place. I love that. That's such genius. They're saying to the word, which the Bible says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. They're telling the one who created the desert, this is a desert place. Oh, wow. Thank you for telling me that. I remember Jesus could have said if he wanted to slap some silly out of him. Jesus was a lot more redeemed than I am. Come on. Yes, I remember when the Father and I spoke into nothing and it became. I remember the day that we geographically designed this area right here to be the desert. I remember when the Holy Spirit brooded over this part of earth and he made it a desert. I remember geographically that we ordained this place to be a desert. We also ordained that on this day a miracle would come and would happen in a place that nobody gives hope for, nobody gives lasting peace for, no one thinks anything will emerge from it. I know that we ordained that. Let me tell you something. You tell God I'm too old. I'm the wrong race. You tell God I don't have the right education. You tell God I've got too much on my past. I've got too much behind me. You tell God all of this, but this is your thoughts. And guess what? This is what God is thinking. He said his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. Come on somebody and give him praise for that. His high ways. You're saying this can't happen. He's saying this is my ways. This is a desert place. I'm too old. I've got too little. I don't have any straw. I don't got any strength to get through this. Where I'm working, they're asking double of me. The boss that used to bless me is now talking about everybody else around me. It's like they've ignored me. God says, hold on. Your influence is for a lifetime. Hold on. I, I can't. I'm having to gather my own straw in my family. I used to have a lot of straw. I used to have a lot of help. I talked to pastors and ministers all across the nation. They're telling me the same thing. I used to have seven assistants. Now I'm sharing one with 20 people. Um, I used to have this and now I have that because the economy and everything that's going through. Bishop Jakes laid off 300 people last year. Oprah laid off 250 from her network. It's not just the church. People in the body, in the Christ, in, in, in the church were saying, I'm having to, I don't even have straw. It's harder. But God says, your influence lives. Jehoshaphat looks so alone on the shore. She walks out there and she has that baby. And we can do this. She has that baby that the voices have said should die. The relationship should die. There's no future. There's no glory in you. There's no future in you. There's no ministry in you. You're weak. You don't look like Joseph. When the curtain went down, Joseph was regal and now here you are. The taskmasters are beating your family. And you carry this baby out to the reeds. But every time you look at the baby and he cries, you hear the cry of purpose. And so Jehoshaphat looked alone, but behind her was the great witnesses of Hebrew 12 that says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that born testimony to life of faith. So let us run with patience and endurance and steady and active persistence. You see, I look alone today to you, but I am not. 
the witnesses of the heavenly realm are standing behind me. They were standing behind Jehoshaphat, the faith of Abraham, the faith of all those that have gone before her. And now there's a multitude behind us that had their hands behind her. Rachel, Rebecca, Sarah, Joseph, the faith of these fathers were on the faith and were holding Jehoshaphat's back. When you feel alone, let me encourage you. The witnesses from the heavenly realms are holding on to you. She looks at that baby and she says, this baby can't die. And she puts the baby in the reed. The father was standing by her, the creator, the decision, the author maker, the son who had the eye of the tiger, who went all the way to Calvary. We have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit who created everything. When you can't, they can. Come on. When you can't, they can. When you can't, they can. When you don't think you're enough, they are. You just got to stop tapping into the world and your own flesh and your own feelings and your own reasons. Come on, somebody. And you got to tap in to the greatness of the three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in you. When you can't, they can. I wish I had somebody that would praise him. What did she hear? Matt, I believe she heard a cry, a purpose of Moses who would become a great leader. The cry of a million Jews who said, don't let that baby die. We're standing in line behind him. He's got the word of healing. I believe that when Pharaoh's daughter uncovered that baby, when it floated to her, she saw it was an Israelite. She knew it should die. But it said the baby cried. And the baby's purpose began to cry out before the heavenlies. And all heaven was reaching down saying, don't kill that baby. Inside of that baby is a man who's going to be raised in Pharaoh's court. He's going to have just enough ability to treat the Egyptians. And that's going to be a high moment. But then he's going to have to run into the desert. And he's going to live in the desert for 40 years feeling forgotten, feeling overlooked, feeling ridiculed and talked about. People had said he was a murderer and he did murder. He's going to live out there for 40 years. But through that, he's going to become meek. And he's not going to lean on his Egyptian roots and he's going to go before the greatest ruler of the universe and he's going to say let my people go don't let that purpose die don't let that baby die he's going to get up every day on his cane and again he'll walk before Pharaoh and he'll know that Pharaoh could kill him standing there and he's going to go after the first plague after the second plague after the third plague after the fourth plague after the fifth plague after the sixth plague. He's going to keep going and every day until that final day he's going to stand before Pharaoh and said your heart has been hardened tonight your firstborn son would die. He's going to be meek and strong enough in God to walk back and lay on his bed thinking oh God Jehovah save us tonight. Let us have a right passage out of here. You see one million Jews were crying out to God when that baby cried saying don't let that baby die. That baby is going to be raised up to have the word of healing, the word of anointing. Let me tell you something. On one morning, they all, one million strong, walked out because somebody heard the cry of purpose. Give him a praise. Come on. And let me tell you, there's a cry of purpose going on in your life today. The reason Pastor Hank Davis didn't die when he did coke into his foot, because God said there will be at least thousands across the world that will encounter this man. They will find a man who believes anyone is redeemable. They will find a man who will have compassion on the worst drug addict, who will be fought every place of his life because he believes that God can
can redeem because he can be Jesus with skin on is what so many prodigals have told me. But when he was short and coke and about to die, there was a voice going before the heavenlies of those people. Oh, did they know they were crying out? No, but they were crying out. Don't let that man die because he'll have the word of healing. He'll have the word of salvation. The cry of purpose goes before the throne room. Whatever you were doing, wherever you were, right now when you're thinking about giving up your cry of purpose, it's not just about you, Ashley. It's about everyone behind you that you're going to turn around and bring healing to. No wonder the enemy fights you and I. No wonder, Marissa, it's the people behind you, Austin. It's the people behind you waiting in line who are crying out, he's going to have a word for me. She's going to have a song for me. He's going to have a prayer for me. They're going to have an encouragement for me. They don't know it. And when I was crying out for purpose, I didn't know it, but I was crying out that the person who would help me would not give up, would not turn aside. Listen to me, for we show this to you in illustration. Listen to me. Your purpose cries out. You can't give up. You can't set it down. You can't walk away. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the people. When I was about to give up, Maria's purpose was crying before the heavenlies. There come a woman named Rhonda Davis into my life. God, don't let Rhonda die. She's going to bring a word. She's going to help me. She's going to mentor me. Over Connie and David, there were so many of you. I'm just trying to make it plain. It's crying out. The cry of purpose would sound, if it could be heard this morning, a lot like this. I represent those in bondage. Do not be discouraged. Hear my cry. Hear the cry of my purpose. I represent the youth of this generation. Please don't give up on us. Hear my cry. my cry. I represent the drug addicts. Please don't give up on us. Hear my cry. Hear the cry of my purpose. I represent the homosexual. Please don't be complacent. Please believe that we can be set free. Hear my cry. Hear my cry. I represent the prodigal. Please believe that we are coming home. Please continue to pray for us. Hear my cry. Hear the cry of my purpose. I'm the destiny of the church. The body and blood in America. Please do not give up. Shut up or lay down. Would you stand all over the building right where you are? Would you lift your hands to the Lord right where you are? Lord Jesus, whatever cry is going out before you right now for me, I pray, Lord, that you would hear it. I pray, Lord, that you would hear it. Lord, I stand here today admitting that I don't always hear the cries of others that are waiting for me to get in my place, to do what I'm called to do, to show up anyway, to make bricks with hardly any straw, to gather it myself when times are hard, Lord. When I'm in the fire, I don't always realize, Lord, what you're doing in me. 
and what you want to accomplish in me. God, I admit as I lift my hand before you that sometimes I forget the influence you've given me because the devil whispers in my ear if I had influence, why would my boss overlook me? Why would I be going through this? Why would my family? But Lord, I realize today that Pharaoh went after Israel because they had potential of being mighty and powerful. And our enemy goes after us because of our potential. Lord, as our hands are lifted, we also stand with other brothers and sisters of this body, these two bodies that are represented this morning, in the cries of their purpose. Lord, those that are in bondage and chains, those that are in all different areas that people are crying out before the heavenlies, don't let them quit. Don't let them give up. Participants, Lord, waiting to find healing. Brokenhearted, drug addicts, homosexuals, young people. The church, Lord, the prodigal, those are in bondage. Lord God, we know that you hear their cry. So, Lord, right now I stand for myself, for my purpose. Forgive me, God, for getting apathetic. Forgive me for being distracted. Forgive me, Lord, for getting what is important. I trust my feelings. I, I base everything on what I feel or the battle in me. And I back up and I sometimes want to run toward other things. But, Lord God, I realize it is not about me. And I need to stop making it about me. I need to make right decisions. But I need to know you have given me influence for a reason and I need to focus on that instead of the attack so today Lord every hand that's lifted is saying I recognize I have influence I recognize I have purpose I recognize I have a calling that you have given me your Holy Spirit you saved me for a reason and I want to use my influence for your glory and to do it for you Lord so I lay me down today Lord I lay down my life I lay down my will. I lay down my feelings. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to take my purpose like Jehoshaphat took Moses. I ask you to take it in your hands and bring it to the shore. I ask you to use it. I ask you to make a difference with it. It may look small. Maybe nobody is counting me in the mix. But God, I may be at the lowest part of my life. I may be at the lowest moment of my life. But purpose excites in the worst of circumstances. Father, I lift my purpose to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to pray another direction. Before we do, I want you to give the Lord. Stay where you are. Stay down here in the altars. I want you to give him a shout of praise that he's the God who can use your purpose. Come on. Come on. Somebody bless 